Welcome back, everyone, to the next installment of the Podcasting Guild Babylon 5 with your host, Eric, and his trusty sidekick, Andrew. And it sounds like Boat is there as well. Oh, yeah. That's that's the trusty sidekick's trusty sidekick. <laughs> uh, he just chased my cats, so now he's being put in jail. <laughs> Excellent. So you have to... Hear the lovely of sounds of that happening. <laughs> yeah. We're professionals, guys. Very much so. All right. This was quite an episode, Eric. Yeah. Season one, episode nine, and the sky full of stars. Yep. This episode is one of the first ones that really starts to dig into the main plot threads and um, really establishes the overall continuity of the series. Yeah, yeah, no, this was not a filler episode, not a Monster of the Week episode. This was like, why is Sinclair's backstory all crazy, and why does Delane have so many dark secrets <laughs> that she keeps from him? Which we didn't really learn any of the answers to, but they definitely reminded us that these were questions. And, and it begins that interrogation of that topic for Sinclair, like... He's hinted at it in prior episodes, but this is the first time where he's really like, now I have some answers and I need to get some more. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about it. This was quite an episode. I, my notes are sparse because I was so, I was just watching the episode. I forgot I was doing a job here, you know? So uh, You were enraptured. Oh, I was enraptured. I was enraptured. Gotta throw in a 10 set word every now and again. <laughs> So I don't remember exactly what the opening scenes were, but the first thing I have a note about is when we meet our two antagonists and they're kind of a shadowy couple of folks and they're like, I've identified the target. And then they pull up this giant hologram (laughs) of Commander Sinclair. Mm -hmm. Okay, two things. Even like we eventually find out that they know who he is intimately like they they are part of a whole you know whatever shadowy group in which he (laughs) is the center of their conspiracy right what are they talking about i've identified the target let's bring up a picture of him like you guys know who he is what are you doing (laughs) maybe they thought he had plastic surgery and they wanted to confirm what he looked like so they use the hologram, which is actually a very bad way of projecting an image because you get all this background things from behind it because it's transparent. So maybe not True. the most accurate representation. Like a literal photograph would have been better, you know, right. just like a Polaroid. And I think at this point, you can just assume that anytime an episode starts, it starts in customs because that's where it started this episode. Oh my God. The compromised security officer definitely attended the custom house school of security yes. in this episode. The turn your back on the person you're actively, like, defying and <laughs> investigating. Yeah. Anyway. Which, actually, speaking of that guy, the the compromised security... Benson was his name. Speaking of right. Benson, when Sinclair and Garibaldi call him in and dress him down for gambling, then they're like, you're dismissed from active duty. And he walks out the door. And that's the yep. end of that. It's like, you guys need to watch more cop dramas. There's a reason they take their badge and their gun. They take their, yeah, exactly. They didn't take his, his arms. They didn't take, yeah. He still, he had his badge. He was accessing secret shit with his badge. I don't know about a gun. He clear, he needed his gun, clearly, <laughs> later in this episode. But uh, 
Yeah, I was like, guys, guys, what are you doing just being like, you're fired? All right, get out of here, you scam. Don't cause any trouble. Ah. Well, I think we know that Garibaldi doesn't watch cop dramas. He's too busy watching Looney Tunes from the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Watching old Looney Tunes and laughing so hard he can barely <laughs> keep the popcorn in his mouth. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Well, what are these two antagonists doing? What are they? I mean, we don't know at first. It's something very nefarious. They are building a doom chair. And this is what the compromise. He has gambling debts, this this security officer. And to pay him off, he gives them like a power supply. Right. And what do they use this power supply for? Well, to build a build a, 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 a brain torture chair. <laughs> you know, did you ever watch the 1990s movie Hackers? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Hackers. I don't know, it kind of reminded me of some of the things in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. without Angelina Jolie, sadly. Sadly. Well, you know what this, <laughs> what it reminded me of? It reminded me of two other classic bits of media, both of which it predates, which says yep. a lot in its favor. One was The Matrix. Yeah. Like this, plug into a, a chair and go into a virtual world. And, you know, the things there can hurt you, but also your body is vulnerable. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that this pre you know, this pulled out that plot arc before The Matrix. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and the actually, we're jumping way ahead here. You know, we sort of try to keep, walk through the episode chronologically, but obviously we fail terribly at that. So basically what we're talking about is in this episode, Sinclair eventually gets captured and strapped to this you know brain torture chair and they're using it to like you know what forcibly explore his memories to find out what happened uh, it's an interrogation tool they're using to try to drill into his memories because he has a a hole in his mind as the mimbari from the opening episode no totally and and you gotta wonder like whatever organization had the resources and wherewithal to you know sneak these guys aboard with all this illicit sort of materials and capture the commanding officer for hours and torture him like any organization that could put this together surely surely could get commander sinclair through a few sessions of therapy first just to try it out like he seemed perfectly willing to explore this hole in his memory right yes. he wanted to know as much as the other dude you, you gotta wonder if this other dude wasn't coming at you from a kidnap and torture angle if he was maybe coming at it from like a hey let's talk about your experiences we'll do some hypnotherapy we'll do we'll talk about your mother you know we'll, we'll ease <laughs> into it we'll see if you can access some of repressed memories like i gotta wonder if that wasn't worth a try you know before they jump to the kidnapping and torture you gotta figure that the bad guys are never going to have the soft approach, at least in 90s TV. You know, they got to be bad guys, so they got to go they gotta be bad. 110% every time, right? I'm go just, over the I'm top. I'm here for some pragmatic bad guys. That's <laughs> what I want in my in my TV shows. Also note the bad guy, the lead bad guy in this one, British accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I mistook him for the space fascist from the previous episode. There were similarities. Yeah, (laughs) they looked similar and they sounded similar. You know, I wonder if if it's the same group could very well be. Yeah. And I think the second guy. Yeah. 
if I recall correctly, I think the second guy was actually in another sci-fi property many years ago. He was in the original Battlestar Galactica, I think. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. To me, yeah. he looked like he just came from the set of Highlander. Like he just... <laughs> yeah, with that hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He just tried out for, for that role and didn't get it. And it was straight over here to the Babylon 5 set. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was on lot two and then he got on the exactly. lot three. Exactly. No time episode. to change hair or makeup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, I got to say, like, maybe he was the brains because he sucked at everything else. He never, he didn't land a single shot except against poor Benson. <laughs> yeah. He, Commander Sinclair, sorry guys, spoiler alert. He rips himself out of this chair slowly. It takes like 30 seconds of him doing this and he still gets the drop on this dude right he still yeah. is able to like just knock out punch this guy <laughs> he's useless yeah he i mean he better be the brains <laughs> he's, he's definitely not the brawn of the operation yeah okay should we stop jumping around should we should we get back to the actual episode so actually the way that they capture sinclair i thought was great because they didn't just show him being captured they had him wake up from a nightmare, like a cold sweat, and find the station abandoned. And I thought he was still dreaming. I thought this was a you know, dream within a dream. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of was. Uh, turns out that he, you know he's not dreaming. He's in the he's in the virtual world uh, that the that the bad men set up with the chair basically mm -hmm. so but i thought that was cool that you know they have this very sort of tense you know couple of scenes with sinclair running through this abandoned station that was cool i liked when he got the ops and like this you see all the computer panels just black and then they slowly light up i thought that was a, a neat effect yeah that was great and lit up just to give him the one piece of information that he <laughs> needed to go to where this guy wanted him to go right yeah no i thought that was wonderful because the whole time you are with sinclair also trying to think through like what why would the station be abandoned and you know he was asking was there an evacuation ordered yeah, yeah so like uh, i love that i thought that was a great piece of uh you know piece of tension uh much more interesting than just showing them like manhandling sinclair's unconscious body or something right <laughs> yeah but you have to wonder how did they get him out of there <laughs> yeah yeah i did wonder that and on that note they shove benson out of an airlock after they shoot him how how they're both engaged in the brain torture one of them's in the virtual world with sinclair and the other's running the machine who dragged this corpse through the hallways yeah they, they were and a pair of station, hands shy for this plan yeah, yeah in this station of a quarter million people you would think someone would have saw them or you or, you know what i keep thinking is how can people just casually access airlocks <laughs> right yeah. they didn't say oh we detected this airlock use uh no they're like oh this this guy's body was floating outside and it just came in when we opened the door how did you not know that they're accessing mm -hmm. airlocks right yeah. i mean that's just craziness it's crazy that everyone can just waltz into an airlock potentially with a body <laughs> i also thought it was interesting that they mentioned that babylon 5 has its own gravity which of course everything has its own gravity yeah. but sufficient gravity to keep debris by the spaceship which for me 
answered a, a, a big lingering mystery, which was the rocket coffin that we saw yeah. in whatever that was, the pilot or the first couple episodes. That's why you need to strap a rocket to your coffins. There you go. Makes sense now. All ties but back no, together. But no, it still doesn't make sense because <laughs> they're in orbit around a planet. Around a planet. Maybe if they were out in the middle of nothing, sure, the space station would have a little gravity and there's nothing around that has any gravity, so it slowly attracts things to itself. Sure, I'll buy it. But it's in orbit around a planet. Surely the planet's gravity... Right? I don't am I crazy, Eric? Am I crazy here? We I don't think it's made clear how close it is to the planet. We see the planet in the background in a few establishing shots. But I don't think it's ever made clear that it's like in geostationary orbit over the planet or if it's just like nearby. I suppose. I suppose if it's in a high enough orbit, maybe its own gravity could like I guess. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> that doesn't really check out. Like you know, planetary rings are formed because the planet's gravity rips apart, you know, a moon or whatever. It makes these big rings. Yeah. You're trying to tell me that Babylon 5 has more gravity than a moon? I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. <laughs> well, I'm no astronomer, and certainly you have more uh, background in physics than I as a historian and political scientist do. So I think uh, we'll... we'll seed to your knowledge in this case fair enough yeah you know i think you should always seed to my knowledge in every case eric <laughs> uh i am after all never wrong about anything never. yeah that's correct never but before never. we get too far away from it i did want to circle back because there while there isn't a b plot in this episode there are a couple asides and one of them was with dr franklin and ambassador Dillon early on where she actually not interrogates, but, but questions him on his role in the war. And you kind of get a little bit more background on Franklin, Dr. Franklin, and what he did. And he was a hitchhiker, which I thought was a pretty cool thing to be a hitchhiker in space. Yeah, I you know, I would wonder how one does that. Like you just go from station to station. Is that the idea? Probably. I imagine he goes station to station and selling his services. And then he, um, or Ambassador Delenn. That has real Firefly vibes to me, you know. It does, I, yeah. I like that. You know, I hitchhiked. <laughs> yeah, no, you mentioned okay. that. <laughs> uh, what were you saying? Ambassador Delenn asked him what he did in the war after hitchhiking for a while. And being a xenobiologist, EarthGov came to him for his notes. And he uh, That's right. told Ambassador Delenn that he destroyed his notes rather than having them being used against another species. Yeah, being, being right. used as weapons. Mm -hmm. And she was like, thank you for that. Yeah, and then he's like, what did you do during the war? And she's like, don't worry about it. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, that's cold as ice. Yeah. Oh, it was really nice of you to, like, you know, make the moral choice to not let your work be used to, to kill me and my people. Did you did you do anything similar? No, you don't don't ask questions. Don't ask what I did in the war. You, you're not going to like the answer. You don't need to know I was part of the leadership council that was <laughs> executing the war, basically. Oh boy. Well, I I agree. I like that we got a little background on Doctor Franklin Delane. 
I mean, she's she's like her shadows were cast a bit deeper this episode. They really, I mean, who is why why Delane? What are you hiding? <laughs> Uh, who was that creepy looking, obviously evil version of a uh, Mimbari uh, behind you? Anyway, we're still jumping around. Yeah. Oh, one thing I want to call out is the guys, while they were sort of doing their mental, you know, investigation torture thing on Sinclair, one of them mentions that he's 39. <laughs> he's supposed to be 39. He has a lot of gray hair for 39 years he's, old. He's an old 39. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, he probably suffers from a lot of PTSD from the war. So there is that, I suppose. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I don't know. 39. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. He does look pretty old. Come on. <laughs> It's like that's what I thought a thirty-nine would look like. A thirty-nine-year-old would look like when I was like, you know, twelve, and I was like, right. "Oh wow, okay, let's see." The oldest age I can imagine is forty, so yeah, yeah, you'd have a head full of totally white hair at thirty-nine. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. All right. Well, he he has not aged grace gracefully. The other thing I want to talk about is the, the recurring flashback he has. The it's yeah. a trap. He, he's like, no, it's a trap. And then he looks up, and the thing that clued him into the trap was the presence of this giant warship, a, a cruiser. Like four or five of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, what, where's the trap? What, did you not see? The massive... Right. Well, they don't, they don't really yeah. illustrate this too well in the flashback scenes, but what happens... and. You know, there's opportunity here to go back and watch a made-for-TV movie, a spinoff movie for the show that goes over the battle line. And that movie actually illustrates it a bit better what happens. Because what you don't see is that those warships don't show up until the last second because they jump in on top of those fighters, basically. And so that's where the trap component comes in. But yeah, you're right that they don't do a good job pointing out because like, how do you miss something that big? right <laughs> agreed well the other thought is why would that one dude being out of formation matter if they yeah. just had a bunch of cruisers especially you know, in space in? especially right? in space holding the line in space has a whole different meaning in this situation because <laughs> you're a tiny line of what 12 or 15 starfighters right your one ship out of formation isn't going to make that much of a difference in holding a line when ships can fly all around it's true. at any point i'd also like to point out that lines are two-dimensional <laughs> in fact they're one-dimensional but yeah. and space has three of them them their dimensions how do you form a line in space very pesky very pesky those dimensions uh, i actually have a small rant i would like to go on eric okay that is part only partially to do with babylon 5 but it bugs me that space movies always have space combat that's basically like cannon and sail era f- frigates shooting at each other right. right they like they take these big broadsides they're both really close to each other right like you look out the window and you can just see the length of the enemy ship there just span out in front of you right they're just like you know Exactly. Shooting back and forth, big broadsides until one of them gives up. Like, basically what what old wooden ships used to do. Right. 
Uh, and it bugs the hell out of me. Like, where is any of the kind of modern combat? Why is that never shown in these shows? Like, even, uh, you know, World War II, like, carrier warfare, mm-hmm. right? Where the fleets almost never saw each other and were sort of like, they would send these sorties to try and catch the other enemy fleet off guard and while your sortie was away and you know i don't know there there's all this like drama and tension around uh uh, you know when you're vulnerable and when to strike and you never see any of that i've personally never seen anything like that in any space movie it's all uh you know dog fights well don't get me wrong i love a good dog fight but Mm -hmm. uh you know none of it none of it explores I don't know, the kind of interesting bits that like space warfare would actually have, right? Where where yeah. ships would be very lightly armored because it's so expensive to lug all that armor around. And, uh, uh, you know, probably super long range, right? Because there's nothing to interrupt your optics. You can see for, you know, literally forever, right? Millions of miles. Mm. Uh, uh, so you know spotting and and shooting people from long range should be a big part of it but no you don't see any of that all space (laughs) combat is always well let's just ride up right next to them blast some lasers at them they'll blast some lasers at us yeah Yeah. call it a day i don't know there's my rant rant over i think that's a fair rant to have and it's a long time before shows science fiction shows in particular really address that i think only recently have they done that and the expanse for those of you who haven't seen it is a show that really does space combat quite well um, along those lines and it's more realistic to your point where a lot of it's long distance like you're looking at dots on a screen because they're so far away that you're shooting missiles at them and so i I think that babylon 5 for what it is does a good job with the combat it does have but to your point in reality space combat would be very much long distance to a great extent there wouldn't be much in the way of close quarters combat in majority of space combat and in reality there probably wouldn't be many starfighters either um, because the whole idea of a starfighter wouldn't make sense in this situation when you're setting missiles back and forth between each other yeah yeah no i think you're right well I, starfighters might make sense in like the context of you know basically being a manned missile platform sure but otherwise, I completely agree. And you're right. I forgot the Expanse did that pretty well. It's not. It's not a huge part of the show. So, and I, and it's been a long yeah. time since I watched it. In fact, I think there's like a couple seasons I haven't seen. Good call out there, though. Yeah, yeah. They do. They do space combat really well. I've read some books that do space combat really well, but obviously those are books, <laughs> not, <laughs> not not TV shows. All right. Anyway, let's see. Notes. My dog did not appreciate the mind torture sound effects. <laughs> they were high pitched and screeching and repetitive, and uh, he did not appreciate them. I have to say, I, I agree. I didn't appreciate them either. That's fair. Yeah, okay. So Benson eventually finds his way into the room where Sinclair is being brain tortured. And even though he had a hand in this, I don't think he realized what they were doing. And when he sort of pushes his way to the back to, in, you know, be like, what's going on here? Like, again, right, Customs House School of Security. He just, like, turns his back to the other guy, doesn't pay him no mind, uh, and gets shot for his trouble. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm probably skipping some stuff. Did I, did I miss some scenes you wanted to talk about? 
Well, there were just a couple scenes where obviously the bridge crew are like, where's the commander? And they start having a dialogue around how they're going to find him. And Garibaldi is like, we should send some maintenance bots to look around outside just in case we find a body out there. And Ivana was like, some days I'm glad I don't have to think like you do. Yeah. I have to say, though, if, if it's, you know, a city, essentially, of a quarter million people and access to airlocks is as wanton as it apparently <laughs> is, you'd think they'd have a pretty regular patrol outside the station, right? Maybe not yeah. for bodies, maybe just for, like, you know, someone didn't want to throw their dog turds away. They just threw it out the airlock, right? Like... <laughs> That stuff they said all gets gravitationally stuck to the station. Yeah. You'd think there'd be quite a bit of debris out there that needs to be regularly cleared away. Yeah. Very true. Very true. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, and then and then they also said, like, the decompression got him. There's not much left of him. <laughs> that didn't check out. <laughs> that didn't. At least, I don't know. I guess I'm not an expert on what happens to a body when it's out in the vacuum of space but i don't think it just rips itself apart yeah it's not explosive decompression that we're talking no, about here it's not and even if we accept that it is they're like oh yeah there's not much of them left and then they pull up the thing they're like that's benson all right it's like well whoa <laughs> which part of him was left <laughs> garibaldi just has a good eye for teeth identification i guess yeah really <laughs> yeah he must <laughs> oh boy uh, and then, of course, my, my next note is how did they throw that body out when they were both engaged with the brain torture? Great question, Andrew. Thank you. Great question. And actually, it probably would have been better to like sell the body to one of the alien species that eats bodies and stuff like that. Because there are alien species that eat humanoids on the station. That's a, so that's a very I don't know why they didn't do that. suggestion. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> It's the perfect crime. Exactly. It's the perfect crime. You just have an, an yeah, alien Never trust a, a guy that owns pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great block, stock, two smoking barrels reference. <laughs> never trust a guy who owns mantises. In, there in you Babylon go. Five's case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, so we're, we're back in the simulation and the bad guy is really keen. So he's keen to find out if, A, he thinks Sinclair is lying about not remembering. Uh, but given that he has access to his memories, he can he basically finds out, well, no, he's not lying. But then he kind of switches from saying, oh, I think you're lying, to being like, oh, don't you want to find out too? Yeah. You know, like, again, I feel like if this guy, this guy could have tried a slightly softer approach. But then he wouldn't be a bad guy. It wouldn't be a bad guy. But, you know, I'm just saying shepherd your resources, right? Don't you? This is a big operation. They lost both their both their agents, two for yep. two. And Ian, so what, when they're walking through Sinclair's memories, they go to the space battle. And I'm sure this would have blown my mind in 1995. Mm-hmm. But it did not blow my mind. Those space <laughs> explosions were horrible. They were They would have been bad for, like firework animations (laughs) but for what was supposed to be catastrophic explosions of spacecraft it i i wasn't i wasn't buying what they were selling eric they didn't have enough budget this season for good space battles we see the better space battles later on and i have to say you know flashbacks of this traumatic moments like that's a good way 
to use your limited CGI budget because you can yeah. do just you know glimpses of things and you don't have to do a whole scene. But yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> it was that was pretty <laughs> silly. That was a pretty silly. Yeah, and they reused the same shot a couple times. If you notice. Oh, you know, I said that there were two pieces of media or, or that, that this predated but used sort of classic story elements. One was uh, the Matrix. But the other was this video game I played growing up called Final Fantasy VII, which is very popular. And in that, the protagonist has a similar thing where you like physically walk through their memories, you know, to to, to uncover a secret of their past. So I and I think that was 1997. I think so. As as far as I'm aware, this show put out both of those rather i don't know if they're original they seemed original to me uh you know original plot arcs before the two pieces of uh you know media came out that really at least in my mind yeah. uh you know brought them to prominence so there it's ahead of its time is what i'm saying yeah if i recall correctly the matrix was inspired to degree by i think a film called dark city if i remember the name right okay which I'm not sure that. when that came out. I think it came out in the early 90s or late 80s. And it has a lot of similar themes. But I don't remember if it had the whole integrated into your mind aspect that The Matrix uh, definitely leaned very heavily on. Right. But definitely aspects of, I think, I, again, I think it was called Dark City that it was inspired huh. by. Something well, worth check checking out. out if you can find it, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, this was a rough episode for, for poor old Sinclair. He really got put through the ringer on this one. Well, at least you're getting his name right this time, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be pretty old. I don't know. Maybe I should keep misnaming everyone on purpose. I do enough of that without doing it on purpose. I don't need to <laughs> purposely mess them up. And overall, I think the torture is is unsuccessful. Like, they don't really get the answers they're looking for. The only piece of information that it reveals is that he spoke with the Grey Council. He was, like, taken on board a cruiser and taken in front of the Grey Council. And one of the members, we were pretty sure, was Delenn. Right. But I have to say, that's... I feel like I already knew those things. So if we didn't already absolutely know all those facts, we definitely knew the skeleton of that. Yeah, we definitely knew she was already part of the Grey Council. I don't think it was ever explicitly stated that she was at the bow of the line, though. No, but she did speak, you know, in the couple episodes that she mentioned, she seemed to have personal knowledge right. of, yeah. of Sinclair's missing memories. Yes. Um and that implied to me that she was involved with whatever he didn't remember. So, yeah, I, you're right. We, we didn't know everything, but I don't know. I feel like we didn't learn all that much this episode. But it got a, it moved the needle a little bit. We, we confirmed that he talked with the Grey Council. We confirmed that Delane was part of it. Um, oh, and at the end, when Delane is like, do you remember anything? And he lies to her and says no. We, we see one of... I don't know what is like a minder or something some kind of uh political watcher or something who who was like if he ever remembers we need to kill him <laughs> and you know, yeah that's I that's intriguing another <laughs> thing that uh i found interesting was uh the membari affinity for triangles and having triangles on their head 
she had one in the in the flashback and so did this uh, other guy yeah yeah totally like i don't know is that a sign for the great council or, or something <laughs> like that maybe maybe but i just thought it was funny because they could have maybe come up with a more abstract symbol or something more interesting like i don't know just a triangle come on let's, let's go yeah. with something more interesting <laughs> than a triangle yeah i well i'm intrigued if 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 the <laughs> point was to get us interested in what what the mystery is then for me it worked i am interested yeah. uh and i i really like delane's dichotomy between being like a friend to sinclair and clearly representing some kind of threat although it's not obvious to me what threat could be more dire than you know according to sinclair they were about to win they were about to like win the war and invade and do whatever uh and so we are we are to understand that whatever the threat is it's somehow more dire than that right yeah because Mimbari had essentially kicked their ass in the war and the battle line happened in orbit of earth or near earth and so yeah they were about to be overrun by the Mimbari at that point and so it's hard to imagine what could be worse than that right 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 so anyway yeah and the the guy doing the torturing kind of hinted at this like he's part of a society whose theory is that sinclair betrayed them or something yeah he's Um, a sleeper agent now or something yeah and i like that they thought about what effect this sort of mystery would have on you know that there would be people i mean nowadays it almost it seems obvious that there'd be people out there who like buy into conspiracy theories and, <laughs> you know you are like convinced that there's nefarious the great council is is this nefarious shadowy group so i guess yeah. in the fiction of this universe those groups have a leg to stand <laughs> <laughs> yeah conspiracies uh, are very much commonplace in this universe it seems totally so before we uh start wrapping up here i want to put a question to you so this episode highlights one of the key uh, stories from the the series or one of the influential stories from the series which is the battle of the line that that comes back a lot throughout the rest of the season and in future seasons as well um so there is a as i mentioned made for tv movie attached to Babylon five that goes into that uh-huh. is that something you would be interested in exploring or do you want to kind of watch through the series and then kind of come back to that to get more detail on the background of the battle line yeah that's a fair question that's a fair question so i would like to experience babylon 5 the way that we baby eric experienced it <laughs> back in the day you know i want to i want to watch so when did the movie come out let me start with that so the movie came out like i think between the second and third seasons somewhere around there all right well let's uh, i'll watch it between the second and third seasons okay we'll do that by the way eric were you watching this when it was live like were you waiting with bated breath every week to to watch the new episode for the most part yeah um this is like i miss parts of the first season uh but definitely after the first season I watched all of them week to week when they came out, basically. Yeah. That's the best way to watch a show. I mean, I never, like, I don't do it now, right? If it's on Netflix, <laughs> I just watch everything. But right, waiting all week 
uh, you know, you were psyched just to have the show on. Maybe you'd be disappointed if it was a rerun, but like, you know, I'm, I know I'm pretty, pretty critical. I have a lot of j- judgmental things to say about the show, but like back in the day, I remember waiting all week to watch a new episode of like Dragon Ball Z or whatever it was. And no matter what the episode was, you were, you were hyped for it. <laughs> yeah. And could be the filleriest week... of filler episodes. <laughs> we're all there. Yeah. Yeah. And the week to week gave you a chance to like, think about it and come up with what's going to happen next. And all this time to, you know, have those discussions with your friends that were watching it and that sort of stuff, which is always kind of fun too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is something I think that's lost in, I guess some shows come out one episode a week. Mm-hmm. But so much is just available. You know, you can you can get four seasons all at once. Right. Uh, yeah, no, but but yeah, waiting waiting a whole week to catch the next one. I guess that well, we did with Game of Thrones, I suppose. Man, that, that really turned out to be disappointing, didn't it? <laughs> all right. I can't rag on a whole nother show. <laughs> we we actually did this one in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, we did not get give anything even resembling a synopsis of the plot. <laughs> I think we covered the key talking points. You know, as I mentioned, there wasn't a B plot or anything like that for this episode. And let's be real: who is what? Who is listening to this podcast? Who hasn't watched Babylon Five? If you're listening to to us discuss these episodes and you haven't watched them. I'd love to hear how, you know, do we paint a picture with our words? Do you, do you feel the need to have to watch the episodes or anyway, write us to let us know, or just think it, we can after all read your mind. So we'll know what you think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Very true. Right. Very true. Good job. Us look under an hour, 40 minutes, Eric, look at us. I think this might be a new record for us of, of shortness of episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember when we did the pilot, and I was like, "Well, the pilot was an hour and a half, so it makes sense that we're going to talk about it for an hour." Right? How how naive I was! How naive I was! <laughs> so, as always, before we wrap up, who was your character of the episode? Who was your go-to guy this episode, or gal for that matter? I mean, can or it alien? Be anyone? Anyone other than Sinclair? I mean, I mean it could be his episode. Yeah, it was who very else? much Sinclair-centric episode. Yep. Garibaldi did a terrible job. This was, I mean, he's <laughs> he was the worst security officer yet. This <laughs> this episode, he didn't even know the captain was missing until yeah. an ambassador, you know, missed a meeting with him. He had no yep. idea. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Sinclair. Nice, nice. Speaking of Garibaldi, did you notice the uh, the newspaper he was reading when Dylan came and saw him? Oh, it had like the Psychor. Yeah, had a bunch of headlines from previous episodes and stuff. I thought it was a nice callback. Oh, I didn't read all the headlines. I only caught, I only caught like one of them. Um, yeah, you should go back and look at the screenshot of it. There's headlines for all kinds of fun stuff from previous episodes. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah, I will. I will, I will go look at that. <laughs> Great. All, all right. right. Well, so that wraps it up for this episode of the Podcasting Guild. If you do want to write us, uh, you can do so. We have an email address, uh, the podcasting guild at gmail.com. Yep, that's our email address. So feel free to send us a message if you want to get in touch. All right, you snagged that. You snagged the Gmail. Yeah, we got the Gmail for, All for right. now. So, and our next episode will be the Deathwalker episode. So look forward to hearing from us. 
in the near future. And with that, a good eating to you. Good eating to you.